lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf, filling out mock drafts leading up to the actual draft in April, filling out March Madness brackets that are going to be dumpster fires within the first weekend of the tournament here. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a wash party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans, after all, it's only pressure, you got this, Adidas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, apparently in costume, Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Mike, don't play me. You know damn well there's plenty of Americans out here, especially our age, that are putting on a T-shirt, a jacket, a sweater, and calling it a Halloween costume today. Happy Halloween to you. Happy Halloween, Brandon. Happy Halloween to everybody else here. And uh, everyone, make sure you obviously download, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you get them. Uh, five stars and a review. And check us out on YouTube so you can see and judge for yourself. Because Brandon's got a Pokemon jacket on and is claiming that this is an Ash Ketchum costume. And Brandon, I just feel like I don't think in the cartoon Ash was wearing a jacket that said Pokemon on it. Yeah, he's now in 2022 and he's a obese black man. So yes, it's it's black black ash ketchup, uh, blasphem. No, it's just black ash ketchup. And then yes, and we can do that because I don't look like him. So I need things to let people know that I am him. You I'm out here trying to steal Pokemon. You didn't quite need to call yourself obese. That was unnecessary. It's, ha- Ooh, it's Halloween. Starting the week off nice. I'm you. saying it's Halloween, and we're all supposed to be a little fluffy tonight. And we do have a great show for you guys today. Um, excited to look. We got one time through a bunch of the NFL weekend. We're not going to do all the NFL weekend anymore because some of these games just aren't interesting enough. Um, a wild weekend in the world of college sports. And uh, ironically enough, it all went down uh, where I was at this weekend for the Michigan-Michigan State game in Ann Arbor as we've got some suspensions now doled out from the aftermath of that game. Kyrie Irving 
uh, was asked a lot of tough questions at the podium and did not have great answers. Surprise, surprise. Um, but, uh, Brandon, we also probably do need to give the PSA out. This is released on Halloween. Um, everyone out there, obviously, be safe. Have a good time trick-or-treating with the kids. Yes. I'm so sick and tired. I saw by my parents there was a dentist doing, like, a candy buyback program. Fuck off and what? let the kids have candy for a day. Don't okay, be the weirdo okay, that gives out apples and toothbrushes and all that nonsense. Give out candy. Go let your kids have candy. Do the appropriate parent thing where you lie and say you need to check if it's poison so that you can take your tax. Like, I don't begrudge you that as a parent, but the rest of it, enough with the nonsense, man. We don't need that. We don't know how much some candy price is going for, Mike, because there might be a business there. If, if, he's, if he's giving $5 for every fun size piece of chocolate candy you might want to look into look into your halloween bag uh my pillowcase uh, if you want to go back to to the 90s and what i used to use and, and, and which is what everyone be, that might be a, a, yes thank you yes because because a box or a bag excuse me a bag or a box or one of those little plastic containers little pumpkins just not enough velocity well to and be like carried in there kids now i noticed in the last couple of years a lot of them would roll up and they don't uh, part of me appreciates the ingenuity they would literally take their school backpack and just put it on the front open it up and then dump it in there in front of them nah. nope that's like cheating that, that nope i don't like that that's that's this new age stuff that's not your, your backpack pillowcases yes king size pillowcases yes like uh burlap sacks and things like that maybe a sheet, maybe even. I, backpacks? Backpacks feels wrong. Might as well rock around with a duffel bag, Mike. I mean, that's fine if you want to go full ski mask season with it and just say put unmarked candy, non-sequential, in the, bo- in the bag and call it a day. I don't I mean, I don't, I don't agree. I just don't, I just don't agree. And, I, and dentists aren't going anywhere, and they're always going to be a, a buyback system. Uh, but then, you know, then you got the Charlie Chocolate, uh, the Willy Wonkas out there to combat those people. That is true. I guess it's the balance in the universe. Dentist versus Halloween. Is that one of the greatest rivalries in sports? Like, they already have to battle against all of us lying about flossing when we go to these appointments. And so now their true arch nemesis, their video game boss for every year is this one holiday. You know what it is? I think it might be a two-game con, actually, because the Halloween system is actually keeping dentists in business. So they might actually be in cahoots and a little bit more than we think. Have ripping been, crowns out, got to put it back, all that type of stuff. Have they been trying to play us this whole time and act like they're they're trying to do it like reverse psychology as parents, where every parent knows that yes. you, I'm sure, can... I, I, I don't know if you're at this age now where everything you try and tell your kids to do, they want to do the opposite the way that teenagers do, but maybe yes. that's what dentists are doing to us. They know we'll do whatever they don't want us to do, and so by telling us, hey, give us back your candy, do all this stuff, they know we're going to run into Sugar's Loving Arms and then eventually be back in their chair gasping for air while they have to suck out the saliva with that weird fucking scooper. <laughs> yes, because every every uh, college football player knows you don't really have to brush your teeth every day during camp. 
During okay, I'm glad you said during camp. And to be clear, you probably should. Like most of the things we did during camp, like I think I wore the same pair of underwear for two weeks during camp once. That's vile. Not two weeks, Mike. Was it like a, a test? Was it like a, a lineman's group thing? I don't know. It That's was just your it ass was, being nasty. It was a series of poor life choices, which was a theme a theme for, for me in college here. Which by the way, um this weekend my game was the Michigan Michigan State game. I yes. as listen, one of our rivals in college, Michigan was I think of the teams that we played that were our chief rivals, my least favorite team. Like genuinely disliked that team, disliked the colors, the players talked more shit than any team that we played. They were generally close games, usually one at home yeah. uh, by everyone in the rivalry when we were there. Had a great time. Ann Arbor's actually a lovely town. Like getting to walk around the campus, the diag, all these different things. It was it, it you realize that Midwestern cities, especially Midwestern college towns, can be more or less the same. And there I found a lot more similarities with what we've got in South Bend than differences, which pissed me off. Hey, I, we don't have corned beef sandwiches uh in South Bend the way Michigan does, but Ann Arbor's beautiful, Michigan's beautiful. Obviously, college campuses on Michigan, especially the the country club. Uh, I believe Charlotte Wilder was talking about the fact that Michigan is essentially uh, a Boston college football team because um, it has all oh, the yeah. accoutrement of, of what you see from the Boston College and all the er those areas in the Northeast. But, yes, Mike, uh, at the end of the day, these – universities have fans for a reason go figure but when i was living out there in los angeles every year i got a chance to go to the usc game that was played uh in los angeles it was it was just a great time i i, I enjoyed myself thoroughly uh in usc's embrace like i mean i i i it's just you know what that is different you know what that's, that not, is, that's not the same as a well, college campus it's, it's a little bit different, but it's still growth, and I'm proud of us for a growth mindset. So we'll get to more of what went on on Michigan's campus over this weekend. But, Brandon, let's take a look at the NFL weekend here one time through uh, some of the NFL slate from this weekend. And I, I felt like the most appropriate place to start was where we had spent so much time arguing last week with your boy Jimmy uh, Garoppolo out there in San Francisco yes. and the Christian McCaffrey effect. Because it happened. Um, no Debo Samuel in the lineup for the 49ers this weekend meant that it was the full Christian McCaffrey show. And all the fun things that I included was excited to see with Christian McCaffrey in San Francisco. That was never in question. Some of the cool shit that we might see, it just went supernova in game one. Uh, Christian McCaffrey threw four caught and ran for a touchdown in the same game he became the first player to do that since 2005 and just the fourth player since the merger to pull that off Brandon and it was everything we hoped it would be inside this offense San Fran 131 to 14 over the Los Angeles Rams they keep on winning in the regular season against that team it is not a rivalry it is hammer versus nail in the regular season but they don't right. give out trophies for the regular season so I don't know how bent out of shape Rams fans are outside of the fact that their team is not good but Christian McCaffrey did the exact thing that we talked about he made Jimmy Garoppolo a lot better for a game Jimmy Garoppolo up over 80 percent completion percentage in the game I believe at the highest completion percentage for a 49ers player since Steve Young which tells you how Damn. 
Yeah, it was it was what you expected in this offense. And so you get to take a victory lap for a week. Who knows? I don't know what that looks like when it gets to the postseason. Like I said, when you have to go up against the good teams. But now the prospect of him and Debo on the field at the same time. And they were doing the story during the game about how Debo went up to Jed York, the president of the team, and was like, thank you. Like, thank you for doing this. Like, understanding what it means for him potentially in that locker room. Debo, who's head to shoulder so much of that load. Yeah, I mean, you saw John Lynch after the game go down there and hug all the players. And I'm sure he does that sometimes, but the camera probably only catches him when everyone's feeling it in the air. Like, it feels like the 49ers weren't a quarterback away from being in Super Bowl contention. They were a Christian McCaffrey away. Uh, and with all those weapons, who knew that they needed one more uh, weapon X? But I don't know, Mike. I, 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 I hope that this means that other players like Ray Ray McLeod and, uh, you know, other weapons for them can make big plays later on down the line because they're more fresh to do so. But – it seems like the only thing they need is Christian McCaffrey and and Jimmy and Jimmy Garoppolo is learning how to use him effectively. And I, I Kyle Shanahan as well. I mean, the fact that he threw for a touchdown like that wasn't a a short touchdown throw. Those are the ones that they usually uh, gear up for Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. I will say, Brandon, uh, to the point. I think this accurately sums up why I feel the way I do about this team and Jimmy Garoppolo and what the limitations might realistically still be. Because you mentioned how long that Christian McCaffrey throw was. Ben Solak from the Ringer put this out. Against the Rams, Jimmy Garoppolo completed his first pass as a 49er of 30-plus air yards outside the numbers. It was his 52nd game with the 49ers. So Jimmy's played 52 games with the team, and he finally put one deep in outside the numbers. Christian McCaffrey also completed his first pass as a 49er of 30-plus air yards outside the numbers. It was his second game with the 49ers. So if that doesn't underscore what they've been asking homeboy to do, I don't know what will, Brandon. I thought, wow, yeah, it's, it was a beautiful wow. pass. Like, the tired version of this is they brought Christian McCaffrey in to help Jimmy Garoppolo. The wired, inspired version is they have brought in Jimmy's replacement. If things should go awry, that was a prettier <laughs> pass than anything Jimmy threw that day. Maybe sands that last touchdown to George Kittle in the end zone. That was a pretty legitimately awesome throw. True, true. Yeah, he still has some great. Well, the ball that Jimmy threw to Christian McCaffrey was a great ball, but it wasn't. It wasn't a long one. It wasn't a long one. He's very, very effective in short, short bursts, like a Jimmy, defensive lineman. Jimmy Garoppolo is a beautiful Italian brisket man. Cook it low and slow, and you're going to be fine more often than not. So oh, it's man. good for them. The Rams, a lot of soul searching, man. They came out with a lot of gusto at the beginning. That game looked like it was going to be a lot closer. Aaron Donald chest to chest with Trent Williams, which is a fight I would sign up for because those are two bad motherfuckers. But yes. uh, they just, I mean, they they don't have the gas right now. We talked about some of the cavalry they were getting back on offense. Leonard Floyd had his first two sacks of the season against the 49ers in this game, but it just, as time wore on, that run game for the 49ers wore them down. They were less and less able to protect Matthew Stafford. Uh, Nick Bosa got in the sack column towards the end of this game. Like, it just ended up as a jailbreak in the second half of that game. So, uh, until further notice, the NFC West is the 49ers and the Seahawks, which is not a thing I'd imagine we would be saying at the start of this season, but it's where we've arrived right now. Um... The other place that we've arrived right now, Brandon, uh, looking ahead, 
The Cowboys better not fuck up this Tony Pollard situation. Like Ooh, Cowboys, I, the, the this Tony Pollard dilemma. It's not a dilemma. It's only a dilemma okay. for one man, and that's for Jerry Jones. Because Cowboys fans mm. finally got what they were looking for. Cowboys fans who had looked at all the efficiency and the numbers for Tony Pollard, the guy who'd been backing up Zeke Elliott for the past couple of years, and said, we need more of this guy. Got more of this guy in this past game. Tony Pollard, 14 carries for 131 yards and three touchdowns in this game. Looked every bit of like what people expected. Zeke Elliott was missing this game, had a hyperextended knee, and they got a bye coming up. So they wanted to give him all the rest going into that so they could come out fresh on the other side. And right. Jerry Jones came out immediately after the game. And I understand wanting to have a player's back. Zeke Elliott has been the subject of a ton of news, topics, conversations ever since he signed that big deal. And even before that, about he's kind of at the center of that conversation about running back value. And so I can understand in a human sense, wanting to make Zeke still feel like he's a part of this team, make sure that he feels valued, all those things. Like that's not an objectively bad thing. But to come out and say definitively, we will still only go as Zeke goes and essentially imply that that is still his starting job. When Zeke himself, after in the locker room, stood up and just said, I don't care who gets the touches as long as we're holding Lombardi at the end of the year. Zeke knows he still has plenty of value to this team, but it's impossible to look at the way that that Dallas offense, like you think about this year, Dallas has essentially been forced into playing a style of offense that may finally put Dak Prescott in the right position. It might honestly put this team in the right positions. Like it's not just about guarding Dak Prescott or protecting him or these conversations about throwing it too much. Dak Prescott going down, got Kellen Moore into calling an offense that helped out Cooper Rush, their backup quarterback, made use of all the gifts of this team. I think helped their offensive line get more comfortable as they gelled with a new group up front. And now with Zeke down, got Tony Pollard more into the role. And still, like, 14 touches is not a ton. It's not like he was going for 25-plus carries in this game. But I think it may have, like, the Cowboys need to be shown first, it seems, on a lot of this stuff before they will know. And they got shown, all right, hey, offensively, we can go a little bit more ground-based first. We can be a more balanced attack. We can do all these things that we use to help Cooper to help Dak because we have this insane defense on the other side. And now with Tony Pollard, all right, maybe this needs to be more 60-40 in favor of Tony right now because of what he can offer us, how explosive he is, how much more explosive. Like, anyone could see that. He is a more explosive player than Zeke Elliott at this point, full stop. And so I'm hoping that Kellen Moore and the decision-makers inside that offensive locker room, Mike McCarthy are going to trump what we hear from Jerry Jones. Like Jerry can say that Zeke is still going to be an important part of this team, but the offense, as far as a rushing attack, probably needs to start moving through Tony Pollard. And it probably needed to start doing that yesterday. Yeah. And I mean, it did a version of it, obviously that's where they're able to take care of the bears as, as well as they did. But if you're listening to anyone, Ezekiel Elliott is the person you should be listening to. And if he's saying, I don't care who gets the touches as long as we get the Lombardi trophy, then he's been paying attention to the NFL where the majority of the Super Bowl champions have had a pretty even balanced rushing attack between two different uh, running backs. So he sees the the writing on the wall as well, and I think he still just wants to uh, get his value up for wherever he goes next. But, yeah, the Dallas Cowboys probably aren't going to be letting go of Tony Pollard anytime soon. 
No, it's and and you're right about Zeke. Like I I don't know what the future holds for Zeke at this point. People think he's a candidate to be someone the Cowboys move on from. Jerry certainly has an affinity for him and and you've got the the ego of that tied up in it too, right? Jerry's the one who gave him yeah. that deal. Jerry's the one who makes all these decisions and so of course it's going to feel deeply personal for that guy, but you, you watch the way the the way that pans out. I know CD Lamb came out and voiced his displeasure with Dak going out in some design runs here because they're all worried he's going to get hurt again and they know what that means for the team. But, man, that's the best of both worlds for them is if you can have a few of those in the game the way Seattle used to get for Russell Wilson where it's not frequent but it's timely. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I can see why his teammates are afraid, but that just looked like vintage Dak, right? Like you, if, you, if Dak isn't running out of the pocket and like getting those little gash plays for every now and then, then he's probably not playing like Dak. And there's something to be said for players kind of needing that to get into the flow of the game also. I mean, it's very different, but like there are some guys that we hear quarterbacks talk all the time about it. Like, I need to get hit. I need X, Y, or Z. Just feel like mm-hmm. feel that starting into the game here. There are some players that get down like that. And for Dak, if it's something you can do that helps alleviate a little bit of the way defenses are going to play you, then, uh, you know, your receivers are going to have to get comfortable with that, and I'm sure that they will. This is also, on the other side, the best game um, that we saw from Justin Fields so far as a Bear. Now, we know it was in a losing effort, some wild turnovers in there, that Micah Parsons scoop and score that turned into like a touchdown where he got jumped over. But um, Justin Fields, the Bears seem to really be leaning into, you know, what he does best, which is be a physical freak, be and and I've seen more and more people comfortable with saying it. What we've been saying on here, the most explosive quarterback south of Lamar Jackson, showing up again and again for this team. Mike, we, and afterwards, it was, I got a chance to listen to Justin Fields talk about how they've been watching Lamar Jackson tape and film to see how to use Justin Fields as a rusher in this offense, and we talked about how he looked. Lamar Jackson-esque when he was running the ball so it's kind of cool to see that they have they've been uh, paying attention to the best running quarterback in the league as well and Justin Fields I feel like the Bears unlike when Mitch Trubisky's second year there feels like they're a couple years away a couple years away in, in, in a real way and I know we say that about a lot of teams especially like the Lions who are now one in six but it just feels different with Justin Fields yeah, I mean, and defensively, this is their first game without Robert Quinn. We saw how emotional that right. was um, in the middle of that defense for um, uh, for the Roquan rest of that Smith. group for Roquan, especially. So, yeah, um, it, it's you know, they're not supposed to be there this year. Justin Fields doing well and getting better is going to be the only metric for success. I think for the most part, like at least on the outside, I don't know what Bears fans, but the Bears are one of those teams that we look at and we'll talk about the Falcons. Uh, here in a second that basically like your metric for success is different than everybody else's even in the conference that you play in you're not necessarily looked at as someone that's going to accomplish in the postseason so it's going to be about developing in the right areas um speaking of let's go to the actual Atlanta Falcons uh 37 34 over the Panthers Brandon the controversy in this one so this actually felt like the game of the day it went back they went (laughs) If you're watching it, it felt like it. Yeah, it it did. I mean, well, I don't even, like. I say that completely seriously. It was the most entertaining game. There were teams that did bad football team things, and we'll get to that like the end of that game 
where bad football was on display by both sides, but especially the Panthers. But they at least did bad football with offense, which as you figure out the formula, we've seen plenty of bad football with defense, and it's far less inspiring than bad football on offense where they had 10 different instances of the other team taking the lead. Like It went 10 times where every score gave the other team the lead. That's the kind of back-and-forth stuff that if nothing else is entertaining, even if it's not all good. True, true. But I was going to say it's 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 like uh, an NFL week where the Titans have the most interesting game. It's like, eh, it wasn't really, though. Like, it was the best we had. I Man, I don't know. I had a, I had a good time with this game. Yeah, um, I, I didn't have – I didn't have – I didn't – I'll say this. Thursday night football may have uh, – May have, may have tainted the scales because it was a good game. You know what I mean? Usually well, we're, we're used to bad games at the beginning of the of the football week. This is a good game. This game was for fir- somehow for first place in the NFC South, which is more an indictment True. on that division than anything else. But the Falcons get that win. The Falcons are in first place in the NFC South. But in this game, P.J. Walker, one of the many backup quarterbacks thrust into starting roles this week, had a Hail Mary pass to D.J. Moore that was supposed to win them this game. Brandon, his pass was the longest completed air yard pass in the next-gen stats era. So since they started tracking in 2015, P.J. Walker threw a pass to D.J. Moore that traveled 67.6 yards in the air. And it was the longest completion of the next-gen stats era. P.J. effing Walker. And it should have been the game-winning touchdown. Because at that point, the uh, Carolina Panthers were down six in this game. It was an unbelievable throw and catch by D.J. Moore. D.J. catches that ball, recognizes, I have just done the cool thing. Spikes his helmet and goes helmetless to celebrate with their fans in the crowd here. Getting all sorts of buck forgetting that that is a penalty, a penalty which they called on him, a penalty which backed up the extra point try to, I believe, 48 yards, and ended up being missed by Eddie Pinheiro, their kicker. It was one of two kicks that were missed by Eddie Pinheiro that were under 50 yards in this game. This game ended up going to overtime because they missed the extra point. And in overtime, they managed to go out here and I believe turn over the Atlanta Falcons get down in range pretty quickly and then line up for an Eddie Pinheiro field goal that was right around like 38 yards to end this game, which he promptly shanks. And Brandon, I got empathy for most all people. I look at the end of this game, DJ Moore and Eddie Pinheiro both can shoulder equal amounts of this blame, right? We can talk until the cows come home about people thinking that it's a dumb rule that if you take your helmet off, you get 15 yards. I I agree. And if you wanted to change that rule tomorrow and say it's not hurting anybody and to be able to celebrate like that in that moment is fine. Like, I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with that. But in the meantime, it's like the NFL's drug testing policy for weed. It's really easy to beat and to just not do it for this one small part. Like, you're feet away from the sideline where once you cross over onto the sideline, and I get he wasn't – like, he was right on the line of the end zone. Don't you give him a chance. You can get back over on the sideline, spike your helmet, go up to the crowd, fuck around, find out, all that stuff. Just the same way that you cannot smoke weed for the two weeks leading up to your one drug test. Anyone unfamiliar, again, you're drug tested one time. You know when it's coming. And then after that, you could do cocaine at your locker, and as long as it's not in view of somebody you would not fail a drug test in the nfl it is that easy to beat and while i did you know again 
I understand that marijuana and our stance on it has changed in this country and all those things. And if you took away that rule tomorrow, I would think it was the right idea. But in the meantime, super easy to beat, just like this is. So DJ Moore's got to wear that because that was a move that cost his team a very real chance to win that game in regulation. It's it's but it's like uh, when keeping it real goes wrong, Mike. You always talk about Torian Smith saying, "I'm gonna act like I ain't never, I ain't coming back." When people was like, "Act like you've been there before." This is a bad case of act like you. Well, a team that has not been there before acting like it because they were celebrating as if the game has was won completely because they were wrapped up in the emotions of it. But I can't imagine a Bill Belichick led team making the same mistake. Well, that's what I mean. This is this was the best bad football team game I had watched this season, where you could very clearly still see why these teams are bad teams and why this is a division right. of the NFC South that's got a sub 500 first place team. But yeah, that was that was part of it. So he's got to wear that. But then also Eddie Pinheiro, you're an NFL kicker. You had two tries inside of 50 to win this game for your sure. team and didn't make make the kick. Like everyone else is out there shortening their lives for the paycheck and trying to win this game. Make the kick. Uh, but there's people have errors though. Make the kick. I know. I know. Kickers' errors are are. Yeah, they got know? one. They got one job. Everyone else has to do a bunch of wild stuff. Everyone else's job involves a ton of physical threat. Everyone else's job involves a lot of planning. I, I understand kicking is super hard. It is at times a really thankless, cruel job in the situations it puts guys in. But having two game winners under fifty yards. Like, this isn't college. Yeah. The 50-yard mark isn't supposed to be as daunting and as big a crapshoot as it is at that level of football. For example, uh, kickers don't play against each other the same way quarterbacks don't play against each other, but Atlanta's kicker? Young Yo, Young, Young Way Koo, man. Young Way Koo is about Young that Way action. Koo, excuse me, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he wasn't worried about it. So that, that's a good point. He would never, he would never shank those. <laughs> Young Way Koo would never... Uh, Young Way Koo, Atlanta hero, uh, keeps them in first place. So, uh, yeah, again, like that was fun. And that's another one we don't have to assign sakes to. Both of those are bad teams. Like, PJ Walker's a fun story, but that's obviously not going to be one that ends with him in some sort of starting job. Like, this isn't Kurt Warner's right. movie. This is real life. And as fun and explosive as he's <laughs> looked, and as big a cannon as he appears to have strapped to his arm, all that's going to be fine. Marcus Mariota is not going to be your long term answer in Atlanta either. That's a team that. As like Arthur Smith and the job that he has done, it won't be coach of the year stuff, but it's been incredible to watch how they've MacGyvered an offense out of what Atlanta's got. It's a bad football yeah. team personnel wise. Um, and the fact that they've been able well, to get this much out of it and are currently in first place is an absolute testament to coaching and what they've been able to do with that. Oh, absolutely. And Marcus Mariota is making very, very smart decisions. Like, He's elevating everyone on that team. It's interesting and fun to see that they have a new coach that doesn't look like he's on his way out. No, but uh, you know what? The the one thing always is with these is it's really fun and interesting now. And obviously, Arthur Smith's been a part of winning uh, as the offensive coordinator for the Titans where he came from. There's always right. the question of being a coach you've got a lot of control when you've got a bad team and a limited roster because you can go out there and you're trying to scheme around things and you're trying to make it work um a coach can coach a bad team up to a level pretty well I wonder what he's going to do if he gets the chance to actually coach a roster that's got talent that's spent money on these sides of the ball that's got competent pieces here it sounds it sounds counterintuitive but 
I do feel like there are some coaches that struggle once it becomes more of a Jimmy's and Joe's game than an X's and O's game. And right now, for the Falcons, it gets to be an X's and O's game because you're so limited on the guys that you've got roster-wise. I, I feel you and I hear you, but with those X's and O's, some of the O's are Kyle Pitts, Drake London, like – uh, Cordell Patterson, when he gets back, like it, it, it feels like they actually do have some real weapons that they're playing with. Yeah, and that'll be the key part here. Kyle Pitts, uh, better game here today. I heard our buddy Nate Tice uh, talking on their uh, wrap-up show for The Athletic last night. After saying, like, there have also been stuff they've schemed up for guys like Kyle Pitts that just haven't you know, been throws that have been made, and that's been the limitations mm. of the offense. So... You know, again, you're right. There's going to be some stuff offensively in the cover. It's defensively where really that thing is going to have to take a turn. Um, stocked offensive cover, Brandon. Perfect segue to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, that team came off the bye and looked like grown-ups. That was a grown-up team win. It is why, as I'm very mad at the Buffalo Bills for not managing to go out and win by 11 points in this game and cover the way I needed you to do, why the Philadelphia Eagles may find themselves spitely, uh, put out of spite back into the number one spot in the power rankings. Great teams cover, Brandon. Great teams cover. 35-13 yeah. later for this Philadelphia Eagles team. And really, man, like that A.J. Brown trade is going to continue to look like maybe the best trade made this offseason. Six for 156 and three touchdowns in this game. He's got 659 yards through seven games. It's the most receiving yards for an Eagle since 2005 T.O. through that many games. Like, Okay, that that is that is quite literally insane. Uh, obviously, they have those other weapons over there in, in Philadelphia as well, Mike. But you're talking about that move being one of the best ones. It's also one of the best ones when you look at the team he left, Mike. The Tennessee Titans desperately need an A.J. Brown to throw the ball to. And, and you're like, why did they give away A.J. Brown? Like, you know who Malik Willis would have loved to have? A.J. Brown? Yeah, no, that would have been super helpful. But, it, like, it, it's... I, I think we had the running back debate for so long. I think right now we're in the middle of trying to get a gauge on what and how NFL teams handle the wide receiver position. And they were at the core of that, right? Traylon Burks was a guy that they yeah. – well, because there's a thought that right now there is so much wide receiver talent coming up and out of the draft that spending money, spending top-end dollars on a wide receiver is foolish. The college game has had more – uh, more of a leak into the NFL scheme-wise and what people are willing to do for quarterbacks that it's helped get wide receivers on the field a lot earlier than they used to be. Running back used to be the easiest position to get people on the field for. We saw Christian McCaffrey digested a playbook in a week because at some point handing the ball off to somebody doesn't require as much Xing and Oing and moving around, but for wide receivers because that seven-on-seven style, spread-style passing attacks trickled up to the NFL – now you're getting some of these guys on the field sooner and you're getting some production sooner. And so the thought might be, well, yeah, we could just draft a dude here instead of having to shell out top dollar for somebody if we don't think our team's right there. And if you're the Tennessee Titans and you thought maybe that version of your team had peaked and that one seed that you had last year was the best it was going to be and that the downside now that you felt with your quarterback position and Ryan Tannehill might not take you there, it's still going to, like, I say all that, it was still the wrong move to let A.J. Brown right. walk out the door, but I just think that the reasons behind that are going to be that larger conversation about what's going on at receiver. 
Well, how many times do people make that big wide receiver move and then they get to the place and the quarterback just isn't ready to help capitalize on that receiver's talents? Like, yeah. I think there is something to be said about what we're seeing from Jalen Hurts, Mike. Like, I, I had them as my spooky Locktober pick of the week. Steelers to cover 10 and a half uh, against the, the Eagles. I thought maybe the Eagles were going to – I didn't think the Eagles were the best team in the NFL – just because they're on the NFC side of the ball. And I was getting a little uh, starry-eyed at the teams in the AFC and how deep the AFC is, especially in the top three. But, Mike, just like the Vikings, the Eagles might be just as real as those other two top teams in the AFC. Yeah, uh, again, you know, what, what they lack in – because the quarterback is not as talented as Josh and Patrick. He's not. Okay, okay, Mike, Mike. I, He's Brandon. I understand right. that. I hear you. I, I, I get you. I said yes – Yes, but it's it's just the it's the tallest kid in kindergarten class, Mike. It's just it, like everyone's kind of like everyone's in the club. Like J- J- Jalen Hurts, if we're talking about Jalen Hurts, yeah, he's statistically, not, he's not he's, he's not in the, the, he's up he's, there with them. He, he's not in the same club as them though. Like the things he can do are not the things that they can do, and that's not an indictment on him. Like again, Josh and Patrick are special in ways that. I mean, we get we've gotten twice in a generation here, but usually are not that. Usually, it's Cam Newton sitting alone with those kind of freakish gifts and everyone else marveling at it. Those two guys are separate in what they're physically capable of doing and what we've seen them do. But what Jalen's done has been incredible for this team. And to your point, he's playing his best football. Part of that is they've grown this thing around him at the right pace. You brought over Devonta Smith last year. Uh, certainly, uh, Miles Sanders and what he's meant in that backfield. Nick Sirianni and the way they tailored that offense. The offensive line getting like it's all come together it is a testament to super great team building but I do think AJ Brown kind of represents that capstone sort of in the way the Cowboys best seasons once they drafted Zach Martin on that offensive line and it just sort of unlocked everything and they became the best O-line in the NFL and the best rushing attack in the NFL you had that piece that finally locked into place and so many things started going right for them at least for that short bit there obviously the Cowboys had other issues that took hold but for the Eagles it really feels like like A.J. Brown's been that piece on their offense that's allowed Jalen Hurts to access different parts of the field and allowed them to have a different body type in that receiver room to work with. Dallas Goddard, who you've got at tight end. Devonta Smith, who's just a different you know, body type player altogether. So that one's really, really encouraging uh, for them, uh, Brandon. And uh, yeah, uh, that is uh, a lot of our one time through the NFL. We'll get some more in Roses uh, that we're going to give out here in a little bit here as well. Because uh, we're going to remember on Monday because we're going to hold ourselves accountable to that standard. Yes. But, um, you're welcome. Uh, Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings, and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. Brandon, I I do want to talk for a second about what went down this weekend in college. Yes. So Michigan and Michigan State played in a rivalry game. Michigan ends up winning that game and pulling away. Like it was 
in the first half, close. In the second half, it never really felt close. Michigan's defense was suffocating. The Michigan State offense did not have Kenneth Walker the third, who we have seen go and play so well for the Seattle Seahawks now. Yes. And those limitations showed up. And at the end of the game, as would happen in a you know heated rivalry game, a state championship game like that, you have both teams. Like I was calling this game for Learfield Audio, so I would uh, you know thirty thousand foot view up in the press box of all this stuff happening, and. Both teams at the end of the game were down on the field. John against John with each other. You know, the Michigan guys had gone over and retrieved Paul Bunyan, which is the four foot trophy that they play for in this game. Gone over to their sideline, recaptured Paul Bunyan. Everyone kind of felt some type of way about it at the end of the game. And then coaches and everyone had to kind of separate each other. And we thought that was going to be the end of it, which I, I ex- fully expected in that game, right? These guys have been talking shit the whole game. Guys were letting each right. sideline hear about it. It's, it's personal to these guys. A lot of these guys, especially with these two schools, probably played against each other in high school. If you've got local guys in Michigan, probably knew of each other. Recruiting becomes a small world. So all those things happen. I, I, would, I would say this too. John Harbaugh being a Michigan man uh, in this rivalry uh, – I would say John Harbaugh does a really good job yeah. of, of getting his guys up for games. And I, we saw that a lot when we played against him at Stanford where he was in the middle of a lot of tussles between Notre Dame players. So John Harbaugh is kind of a different animal. Jim. Uh, when it, oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Yes, Jim. Excuse me. Excuse me. Sorry, the other brother. But, yeah, I'll, I'll lay out there because Jim, Jim Harbaugh said his players were – I'm not going to get in front of it, but, yes, I feel like there's a lot of things happening around – in and around this game. Well, it's just – it's it's a very emotional game, and this is football, right. and it gets heated like that. But there's always a line for that, and that line got crossed at the end of this game, and uh, video started surfacing after the game uh, while we were still in the stadium cleaning up of – Essentially, a Michigan player getting jumped by a bunch of Michigan State dudes in the locker room after that game. You saw a bunch of guys in a scrum, and then one Michigan player pops up after getting his ass whooped by about four or five Michigan State players in the tunnel uh, at Michigan. So laying this out and what the aftermath has turned into now. Mel Tucker announced last night, that four Michigan State players have been suspended effective immediately after reviewing that video evidence. They're going to remain suspended until the investigations are all complete here. Local law enforcement has gotten involved in this, I believe, as well. Michigan State and Michigan campus leadership are involved in all this. Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, was there, and so this was automatically, I think, going to rise up the flagpole for how this got dealt with. But Brandon, everyone's looked at this situation and talked about the tunnel because at Michigan, there's not two tunnels. There's one tunnel, very small tunnel that both teams come in and out of here. Um, You know, looking at the players that, you know, I had questions about how one guy ended up there alone and how that was allowed to happen. I saw Molly McGrath, who was the sideline and reporter for ESPN during this game, said and mentioned that they had talked about bringing extra security into this game for that reason because they know having one tunnel for two teams in a hotly contested contest can lead to some dust-ups there. But how at the end of this game, once you had on field teams already going at it, there wasn't a more concerted effort by the teams, by their personnel, by the stadium security to make sure everyone was separate and that one team went in and then the other team went in after so you could avoid anything it's not to excuse or say that what happened could and should have at any point happened for any reason like going and jumping one dude in in the locker room like no you're going to get whatever penalty you deserve on the other side from that but 
how we let it get to that point knowing this is a contentious rivalry game where you said yourself on the front end hey we're going to bring in a little added beef because we don't want guys getting after it in a very small tunnel environment I'm not blaming the fucking tunnel I'm not doing that I know it's been there for a hundred years and this stuff hasn't happened I'm also not going to act like this is the first time violence around a football game has happened you can go on YouTube and watch rips of plenty of brawls at the end of football games this one just happened in a tunnel and it was one on five which is the other part of this that felt deeply unfair uh yes definitely felt deeply unfair but i was deeply unsettled watching it mike because it's a terrible look for college football and i think that's why uh you were kind of getting ready and and gearing up and getting uh going starting to talk about this because it's very delicate because we see one of us in a very bad light uh, and I think it's it's I think about the people on the outside looking in at, at these young college players getting NIL deals, getting uh, ownership of a little bit, and getting money for the first time. And for these players, certain the ones that were in this scrum, uh, fumbling the bag quite quite literally. And it, it did it did look bad. Numbers on your back, stumping out players. There there was a couple different incidents at least two different incidents when you saw things like people yeah. get things getting out of hand but here's what I, here's my biggest issue with it mike there was too many people coaches uh or pe- equipment staff like people in uniform for michigan state and too many other michigan state players that were allowing their other teammates to do this that yeah. was my thing that's that's what really bothered me it was a lot of t- it was everyone like running away from the fight as if they were in a mall or something like this like no you this that's your guy that's your teammate he's acting out of pocket you have a whole group of people getting out of pocket like i, I didn't want to see more michigan players fighting for their brother that's getting jumped i wanted to see more michigan state player players fighting other michigan state players like hey like somebody should have been lifted up off their feet you know sometimes there's that well, that one offensive lineman that just yeah. clears the whole the whole room it's like no everyone needs to settle down yeah, and, and you know, and I understand. Like we talk about this all the time in, in press conferences. That right after games, the fact that players and coaches are able to go up there and compose themselves and talk to the media after going and running into each other for an hour it, or for four hours of real time, an hour of game time, is is insane right. to kind of comprehend. But it's part of the sport, and it's what we've done. And with tensions being as high as they were after a game where Michigan State, I'm sure, was embarrassed after that game. They had won the last two years, and they went out there, and they got physically beat in this game. But I'm with you. I think the core of so much of my reaction was thinking about this in terms of the team and not in terms of the outcome. Because for both sides, Mm -hmm. my thought was what you said. Like, obviously, thinking about had that been one of our teammates and that been someone that's that happened in the locker room. I mean you'd have had a whole locker room of guys ready to roll over there. It would have been a situation that people definitely would have had to de-escalate then. But also, I look at both sides how it got there, and you're absolutely right. Michigan State should have had guys and leaders on that team that stepped in and said, like, all right, no, this is not how we're going to handle this. Like, the game is over. As Spencer Hall pointed out on Twitter, you had 60 minutes where crime is legal and violence is sanctioned to go out there and do all right. this stuff. Get it done in there. The other part I will say, though, and this, God, I, I don't want it to sound like victim blaming, but at the same time, I always look at one guy ending up there for Michigan and going, yes. why, why didn't 
someone from their team make sure right. and keep it like it's the buddy system. Everything we're taught to do as athletes is do it together. You're going, you're going together in groups. You're making sure you're looking out for your buddy. Take care of the people that take care of you is like one of the right. sports axioms that we were taught that sticks with me forever. And so just the thought process that you had one or two guys end up isolated around this group. I always look at that and go, I, I went, where were his teammates? And I, I'm not blaming right. any of them. I'm, I, I'm not blaming anyone involved, but I'm saying you like to see an awareness in these situations for making sure that you keep, and maybe it was unavoidable. Like the one part, the one thing I will say overwhelmingly about this is I want to wait to hear more of the specifics about what happened. There's going to be a Absolutely. lot of people investigating yes. all this and we'll find out the circumstances that happened. And maybe so much of this is unavoidable. I'm just telling you how, like, how we felt as people wearing the uniform who have ran through that tunnel, who have been a part of a really contentious rivalry game that happens in this place is looking out for each other is right. like the central tenet of what you're talked about. And so when I saw one guy or two guys that were isolated getting jumped by another team, my first thought was, where is everybody? Why, why aren't why aren't we here together? And I, I'm not blaming the Michigan players. I just, it, that was my gut reaction, and I can't help that. Yeah, and I think uh, just to let everyone know who's listening, uh, an example of this is, Everyone's been to a bachelor party or, or just a, a group gathering where there's that one rogue agent who yeah. ends up getting lost. And like everyone's like, where did he go or where did she go? And then at the end of the night, their story is richer and more dangerous than everyone else's story because they yeah. just went out on their own. Right. They got away from the pack. Right. And I think Jim Harbaugh, as much as he came out and, and backed his players and said, my players were assaulted, an investigation needs to happen. I guarantee you Jim Harbaugh is going to talk to the, whoever those players that are in those videos and like, why were you away from the team? Why did you isolate yourself? Why did you separate yourself from the team? Not in the sense of victim blaming Mike and saying like you, you got beat up because of it, but there's a reason why we move as groups as on college football teams. And this is one of the, one of those reasons in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I agree. So, uh, and we'll wait and see, like, unfortunately, like you said, you hate to see it also because there's a bunch of young men that put their future in jeopardy. Now there's, there's nothing to say that these are guys that are going to have a scholarship when this is all said and done that might not have more serious problems than that when it's all said and done. And man, those are hard to come by. Like that, that is, you know, we talk all the time about the value of that. It's potentially life-changing to be able to, you know, go to college, to be able to get that opportunity to have all the things that might come from this. And so you'd hate to see that squandered because in the heat of the moment, you let your emotions get the best of you and you made a bad decision like this and went out there and you know thankfully like you know we heard Jim Harbaugh say that one of these players may have suffered um a broken nose they didn't say too much specifically yeah. about that thankfully it wasn't worse right because when you've got this kind of tempers flaring and it's one on however many things could go a lot worse than that and so we're glad first and foremost the Michigan players uh, uh, they didn't identify by name, so we won't. I think you can. You know, some people have gone and done the numbers thing and be able to identify that. We won't identify them if they haven't identified them. But we're glad that both of those guys are okay, first and foremost. Yes, Mike, uh, and you said both of those guys. The second video that we saw, not to say one's more dangerous than the other one, but there's one where it seems like, like you said, like a, a jumping in situation where they're kicking over, uh, and then a, a player emerges that they were kicking. The other one, Mike was very quick at the beginning, but we saw a helmet come down and be thrown in a more dangerous way than we saw with Aaron Donald, just to give you an example of last time we saw helmets thrown around on a football field. Like it was, I'm, I'm glad it is getting being taken care of, but 
we can't unsee what we saw in college football that's getting all this money and notoriety and they're expanding things like for programs like this and real rivalries like this to happen. More security needs to be taken in consideration anyways, and I don't think we're going to have repeats of this, but uh, a lot of people with a lot of money are going to be thinking about this for a long time. Yeah, and I'm with you. I don't think we're going to have repeats of this, but it's also not the first time we've seen, like, it, it looks different than what we've seen normally, but we've seen tempers flare. We've seen ugly things spill over onto the field. This isn't the first time that we've seen all this, but it is a good reminder for everyone on the outside the amount of pressure that these guys are under. Like, this is a rivalry yeah, that they true. talk about. Like, they call it the state championship there. It matters to a lot of people outside of that. Players inside can feel a lot of that. All of it seeps in. It's not the source and it's not the cause of this, but it's got a place in it when we talk about what the people inside the arena are actually dealing with as a result of the importance that so many people place on this and games like this. So... It's that unique yeah. crucible that creates the environment where an event like this is possible. Shouldn't have happened, and punishment should be doled out for this, and it sounds like will be doled out for this, but um, just a, a lot that went into it. Brandon, um, it's the most wonderful time of the year. March Madness, getting ready to go in college basketball, and we got some of the best stars in the sport finally trying to close the deal. Zach Eady at Purdue trying to see if he can cap off an historic career with a championship, much like his counterpart on the women's side and Caitlin Clark, who's been one of the biggest names in sports this entire year and is looking to see if she can snag that elusive championship that's eluded her during her career. Regardless of who makes it to that final game of the tourney, though, one thing's for certain. It's going to take the most talented people like the two I just mentioned working together to help these teams play at a high level. If you're hiring, you want the most talented people on your team to help your business go to the next level. How do you find them? ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. ZipRecruiter uses matching technology to score excellent candidates for your job. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And once you review your list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply, so they're more likely to apply sooner. Pick ZipRecruiter to help you build a winning team. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I'd say this, like a situation that feels far more dangerous is what's going on with Kyrie Irving right now. Um, this is like the one non-football story over the weekend before we get to roses and some of the fun stuff man it, it yeah this is reached it's i think reached the tipping point with Kyrie Irving who the nets have been bad so far this season we've talked about early on how much you can take from an nba season but the nets appear pretty listless right now ben simmons has not certainly not come back and shown well for himself Kyrie Irving and this team have not shown well for themselves and after their game this weekend Kyrie Irving who in the past few months had gone out and on an Instagram story shared a post uh, from the late 90s by Alex Jones, the conspiracy theorist who was recently um, taken out behind the woodshed and taken for all he was worth after harassing the victims and the families that had lost their children in the Sandy Hook shootings. And then for Kyrie Irving, going out and sharing uh, a documentary that's also a book that espouses a lot of really anti-Semitic beliefs on his Twitter timeline. And when he was asked about that after the game by Nick Friedel, 
really became a contentious back and forth between the two sides. And Kyrie Irving went on to say that he was not going to stand down on the things that he had posted because he has an army behind him of people that believe in him. Brandon, the Nets already came out and spoke out against Kyrie Irving posting what he did, which you know everyone could go up and look up what he posted. I'm not going to give it any more shine or air because part of what Kyrie disputed was the fact that he wasn't promoting this despite the fact that he was posting it on his timeline for the millions of people that follow him to see. Like The Nets have already come out and said, yeah, we cannot support what is known to be anti-Semitic, anti-Semitic propaganda. Now it's the Nets via Josiah, right? Is, is it's the, it, yeah, it's the, it's, I'm, sure. saying, I'm saying, yeah, the Nets, the Nets represented by okay. Josiah who came out and said, right. they're not supporting this. We're going to talk to Kyrie Irving about this. Like I, I've heard plenty of people say it already. Bamani Jones, Robin Lundberg, the Nets could and should start to blow this thing up. Like Kyrie Irving could and should not play basketball for them anymore based on what he is becoming to this team. Like it's not working out on the court. And now you're going to have this, which isn't going to go away now because Kyrie Irving is now going to be mentioned in lockstep with Kanye West in the effects of this like I want to be very clear what Kyrie Irving is saying publicly is dangerous like we've seen it already become dangerous with what Kanye West has gone out and said and we've seen that manifest itself I mean hell we all saw the videos of a guy walking into a New York bar dressed as a Nazi this weekend don't sell me it's Halloween weekend you don't choose to do that just for kicks we've seen at the Florida-Georgia game, there were uh, anti-Semitic messages displayed on the side of the stadium down there. We saw in Los Angeles, Nazi groups going out here and saying Kanye was right about the Jews on the side of a board on the highway. It's had very real consequences already. And in a time and place where people feel people need very little push to go to the place they want to go, I worry about the very real effect that all of these words have. This is the danger of what happens when you've got a platform and someone that does not use it with care. And for Kyrie Irving, I it's go ahead. No, I, I heard you and I understand, but I, I get I get weary thinking about uh, correction, discipline, correction only through punishment, especially without education in front of it. Like uh, we talked about this off air with Kyrie Irving. Like I think he is an example and like real life Frankenstein version of growing up in our society, like literally living on YouTube, believing in that, like thinking about cults as if it's like some really crazy idea that's like like I'm pushing the the narrative and and it's not being wokeness because I don't want to you know bastardize that that term for this argument, but. Kyrie's uh, Kyrie's third eye is very much open and it will oh. never be blocked and I, I feel like he's so caught up in everything that is right now and everything that is is living on the internet that he's trying to he's trying to embody that in a way that it, it, it's it's dangerous for it's, him like it's, it, it, it no, was it's, the flat it's, earth it's, thing it's not dangerous for it's him this. it's dangerous for other people it, his fake intellectual bullshit is fa- is dangerous for other people Brandon what what's it harmed him this is this is my thing with this is Kyrie Irving, when it comes down to it, all this argument always boils down to, and this is the thing I've heard forever, is so-and-so is entitled to their opinion. Like, people are going to say, well, Kyrie Irving's entitled right. to his opinion. 
All that means, like under the guise of free speech, is that the government can't come in and imprison you or stop you from saying certain things. What Kyrie is not entitled to do is spread harmful material and harmful ideas to bad actors and people that are readily waiting to take the validation from someone like him and use that in a negative way. That's why I look at this and say, yeah, he's entitled to his opinion, but it's not entitled to have air in public in places where it can do harm to other people. Like, you can't say whatever you want and then have your speech go unchallenged. And that's what happened. When Nick Friedel pushed back on him, Kyrie got defensive because he doesn't actually know what he's talking about. He's parroting talking points that he heard in videos that he's watched. And this is my thing, Brandon. Like, he responded in the way that all of us do in an argument where... You've just been saying something that you saw. He didn't know how to respond critically in this, and so he got defensive, and he accused Nick Friedel of dehumanizing, all these things that he wasn't. He was just asking him to explain his work. The things Kyrie has posted, he has posted without context. He has posted without explanation, and then somehow has turned around and gotten upset when people interpret that the way they want to based on the subject matter in the material. You can't be vague and throw this stuff up and then get upset when people ask you to explain it, especially when the contents of it are hurtful, and when you cannot equate quit yourself well and Kyrie Irving was not able to defend himself or acquit himself well then we're allowed to downgrade your opinion to nonsense and we're allowed to put it to the side and make sure that it reaches fewer people because it's hurtful and because it can potentially and will potentially cause harm for other people I 100% agree with you there but I don't need him to justify those there's nothing my, my argument is there's nothing that he could say in that moment after sharing what he shared right and after sharing a multitude of what he shared over this time period, right? Even going back to his vaccine mandate things and, and all the drama that went on last season, after everything that's gone on with Kyrie Irving, I don't think there's an explanation that can come out of his mouth to, as why he's justifying what he's spreading is going to make everyone, the media, you, me, or anyone be like Kanye West if in, in that regard, anyone be like, Hmm, okay, now I see where he's coming from. I'll give him a pass. Like, we all know he's doing dangerous. That's why I think it's dangerous for him, Mike. And I understand you're saying his platform and people are listening to him and people get mobilized by the dumb shit that he's saying. But it's bad for him because he is now solidifying his corner of who he is and what he is. And and I don't think that is, like you say, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I don't think that's truly him. So I, I feel like he's putting himself and other people in danger by promoting this just stubborn, I can share what I want. Like he wants his anonymity to share what he wants, like his friends from West Orange, New Jersey. And it's not the case. Like people just can't share whatever they want. And that's why he's, yes, he's getting his feet held to the fire and he doesn't know how to respond to it. But I, I struggle to think that punishing him by removing him from the basketball team that he plays for and the reason why he's got this voice is going to galvanize those who should be listening and understanding what he's saying is wrong. Like, cause I don't know if anyone's really focusing on why what he's doing is wrong. Well, and everyone's going to just focus on the punishment once that gets doled out. Well, the punishment won't be for this. The punishment will be because the basketball parts failing. And that's just the reality of the situation that we know is because if you're not getting the benefit on the court and you've got this, like we know that's how sports works. It shouldn't be, but that's how it does work. I think you are right. There was going to be no justification for what Kyrie has posted here objectively bad and objectively dangerous and objectively anti-Semitic. Like, you can go, look, the Rolling Stone did a great piece because the documentary that he talked about watching is like three and a half hours long. 
And they went through and talked about all of the different, like, very harmful tropes and stereotypes about Jewish people that were present throughout this. Very, very harmful things that have been present throughout the history of the way people have tried to attack Jewish people throughout, you know, throughout our lifetime and well before that. And so you're right. There is, there was, there was going to be no defending that which is also the problem in all this. And so you've got that on one side, and then, you, like you said, you've got what you brought up, Kyrie Irving's desire to go out here and try and essentially have his cake and eat it too. Like In the course of this interview, Kyrie said, minutes apart, I'm in a unique position to have a level of influence on, Ky- on my community. And then, not a couple minutes later, I'm no different from the next human being, so don't treat me any different. You guys come up here and make up this powerful influence that I have, and you say I cannot post that. Why? Why not? I mean, that was full-blown, yeah, I remember grinding my feet on Eddie Murphy's couch. (laughs) Yes, Mike, I I hear you, but I... Gosh, it's... I I have a problem... I have a problem with... Hmm... I have a problem with the media making these people out to be not these people. Yeah, I'm I'm being general, making these uh, celebrity entities that are professional athletes become who they say they are on social media because they're not who they say they are on social media. It, like everyone else who's on social media. Brandon, it doesn't it does not matter. It's, I said it on the last podcast at some point you are who you pretend to be, and you are who you present yourself as. And what's more, Brandon, if nothing else, you're a megaphone. It may not even be about who Kyrie is as much as what he is. Because he disputed when Nick Friedel said, why did you promote these things? And Kyrie said, well, I'm not promoting, because in Kyrie's mind, he heard promote and thought he meant he was doing a book tour or going out here. Like, right. no, he gave it Ad read. He gave it a higher elevation than it would have had otherwise. I understand people that are saying this is on Amazon and you can go find this. I did exactly what Kyrie said he did because if you read Christian Winfield in an article in the New York Daily News, friend of the program, and Kyrie said, I was looking around and he had been Googling what his name means and all this stuff and he said that basically on an off day, he went and searched Yahweh in Amazon Prime Video and this was one of the videos that came up. I went and did the same thing, could not find the video brand and now I could find a bunch of other weird ass shit and I don't know how Kyrie's mm. algorithm has worked or anything like that, but all right, that right, right. all that is to say is he took something that is not readily presented. It's available, but it's not readily presented and he gave it a bigger platform. He put it in front of more people and that is exactly what promotion is. And so he disputed yeah. that Brandon, but his platform has a lot of people that look to and follow him. Right, wrong, or indifferent, that is where we're at right now. And in the world we're in, where we have left shut up and dribble behind, which I think is appropriate. We love to see so many athletes recognize the power they have. But that means you have to recognize the power that you have. And in this case, Kyrie Irving does. He said, in the same breath, I've got an army behind me. Like, you can't reconcile that. This was someone that was trying to get out of this without having to have to meaningfully answer for what he's done. Because, again, he's never really had to, Brandon. Last year may have been the first time where all of a sudden there were consequences for his action. But the rest of it, he's been good enough at a sport to go out here and, like so many other athletes, have people push him along. And so all this is a long-winded way of saying, 
saying. What Kyrie Irving is saying is dangerous right now. We don't have to entertain this. I am glad that it was challenged so that we can see this does not hold up. It shouldn't hold up. This stuff is harmful. And in a time where misinformation has been so prevalent, we're looking and seeing all the time the real-life results of these things. This can hurt and affect really people and inspire real people and inspire real people to go out here and commit hate against others. And that is not what any of this should be. And that's not what we should be giving air to as a public and certainly here in this case because it's an athlete as a sports consumer consuming public or media yeah Micah this whole instance is making me think about cancel culture in general and it's like well at the end of the day we're at the heart of a lot of this a lot of people are trying to strongly suggest until it's forced people to not not offend other people or or not hurt other people's feelings or not uh promote divisive and, and dangerous language. So yes, if, if if this is going to lead to a cancellation of sorts. It's, it's, it's not cancel people, culture, it's being held accountable well, for not, your I, actions. Well, I, I know, I know, but cancel culture and, and um, cancel culture and, and just being censored or silenced in a certain way. Like when I'm saying those things, I'm not talking about the other people looking in, I'm talking about intrinsically right like at the end of this we would hope that Kyrie Irving is looking at everything as like I need to temper myself like I need to I need to slow down on my own rhetoric because I'm not realizing just how dangerous and and, uh, how much it's hurting these humans that I'm saying that we're all a part of because like you said in those six minute clips nine minute clips of that press conference speaking on both sides of his mouth like very fast and, and wild yeah, it's it to me like it's it's there's nothing like canceling happen here. This guy's made a ton of money playing basketball saying whatever he's wanted for a while here. All I'm saying is again, the notion of free speech and everyone having an opinion does not mean we have to value or listen to it once you've shown that you're not going to think critically about these things and that you're willing to spread harmful material. That's all I'm saying True. about this. Yeah. All right, um The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn five bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. That means as we lurch towards March Madness, you can try and figure out who's gonna win this whole thing. On the men's side, teams like UConn, Houston, and Purdue. On the women's side, South Carolina, Stanford, the Lady Irish and Notre Dame, or maybe Caitlin Clark's Iowa Hawkeyes finally get over the hump. Make the decision for yourself and head over and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code GOJO when you do. New customers can bet 5 bucks and get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code GOJO, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, that's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Let's get away. Let's get away from that, and uh, let's give out some roses here, Brandon, uh, on the podcast Monday. Roses. Uh, we are a bachelor, bachelorette, 
fan podcast that understands that roses have power. Our words have power, like Aaron Rodgers said. And so want to give out some roses to some deserving folks from this weekend, Brandon. We each get two because we remembered to do it on a Monday, and that's our reward. Um, yes. I want to start this off, Brandon, uh, and give a shout-out to the backup quarterbacks from the weekend. Geno Smith, Andy Dalton, Taylor Heineke, P.J. Walker. Um, you know, nice. Technically, you could throw Sam Ellinger in there, too. It was in a losing effort. But the rest of these guys, too, yeah. big-time stat lines. We talked about P.J. Walker with the longest pass in the next-gen stats era. Taylor Heineke goes and leads another last-second charge, gets another pair of Jordans and another team's colors on his resume. Andy Dalton, I mean, they've got a healthy Jameis Winston now, and they've just decided to keep him in there after he started the season as a backup. So an impressive run and showing for them uh, all over the course of this weekend. Yeah, Taylor Heineke, I told you, he him. He him. And uh, this he- is the peak of of, of of backup quarterback season, right? Like in November, if your backup quarterbacks are the hero, you're usually not making the playoffs. But October, it's about keeping everyone afloat. Yeah, no, and it's worked out well. You, Taylor Heineke, he – that's a, like I always said, he's a grease pig playing football, man. He is slippery. He wriggles out of bad situations and somehow has been able to make it happen, man. When you say those things, but when you say those things, you don't see how disrespectful it is as a, as a quarterback. Like he's a, he's a quarterback. He's a good ass quarterback. Yeah, he plays like a grease pig. I think that's awesome. I think he'd appreciate that. Terry McLaurin had the homecoming game for them. Big time baller had the catch that set up uh, set up. The game-winning run for them uh, down there. Terry McLaurin, who's from Indiana, who grew up as an Indianapolis Colts fan, they talked about in the broadcast. So, first rows, backup quarterbacks. Shout out for getting it done, fellas. Love it. Um, Mike, my first rose, Scott Statterfield. Will you accept this rose? Scott Satterfield, the head coach of the Louisville Cardinals. I mentioned this last week on Friday. You were talking about Kentucky-Tennessee game. I was like, I'm looking at this Louisville-Wake Forest game. Wake Forest 10 in the nation. Sam Hartman comes down and face off against the Louisville Cardinals. They have not been great in the ACC play or any other play. Uh, I think they got a chance to get some wind under their sails beating North Carolina last week um, after uh, – what's their quarterback's name? Anyways, he went down. Drake? Drake May. North Carolina's quarterback. Yeah, yeah, Drake May went down. But anyways, the Louisville Cardinals, they beat the number 10 team in the nation, Wake Forest, 48-21, to 21, Mike. First top 10 uh, win for the Louisville Cardinals. Uh, and obviously the Cardinals were unranked, so this is a huge thing. Uh, the first time, first top 10 win for the Cardinals since Lamar Jackson was there when they beat Florida State. Uh, they had eight sacks on the night, but the, the crazy number is the eight turnovers that the Louisville Cardinals were able to make. I think they scored 30-plus uh, points in the third quarter alone. It was just like – I mean, it was insane. It was, it was a nightmare quarter, the likes big... of which we had never seen from Sam Hartman, who has been one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC over the last two years, who kind of has one game like this every year. That, again, in their offense, if anyone's unfamiliar with Wake Forest offense, it puts a ton on the decision-making plate of the quarterback in Sam Hartman. Mm -hmm. It's a weird, elongated zone read system where he's got to hold the ball for a long time and make these split-seconds decisions, and I'm honestly surprised it doesn't happen more. To me, it's a testament to what a great player he is, but this was a blow-up. They stepped on it big time in that third quarter. 
I mean, there was 35,000 people in the stands, Mike, of Lu in Louisville, and people were acting like that's a huge deal because, uh, you know, obviously there, there's a lot of more stadiums that can hold a lot more. But it was big for Louisville, and I think it's big for uh, Scott Statterfield, who they were talking about possibly ending his career uh, as the head coach of Louisville. You know, a very short t uh, attention span or, you know, uh, Tenure. room for error. Yeah, ten yeah, for the and this is the biggest win since uh since Charlie Strong. Uh so I, I you know, shout out to Louisville Cardinals. This will mean nothing for their season. They'll probably go to a bowl game like everyone else, but it's great. I I love knocking out a top ten team. Well, I think it is big. I mean, because you're right. Like Sat came into this season on a really interesting seat. There was all that stuff about him potentially like interviewing for other jobs in the offseason that rubbed people the wrong way. A lot of guys that eat, leave App State. It's the mountains a different spot, and so it's not always an easy landing spot on the other side. Eli Drinkwitz is finding that out at Missouri as that team enjoys mixed results. So good one for the home team there. Um, Brandon, my second rose, uh, goes to Derrick Henry. We didn't spend much time talking about Ooh. the Titans. Um, we mentioned that Malik Willis, their rookie quarterback, got his first start in this game because Ryan Tannehill was out with an illness. Malik Willis in a game that the uh, Titans won – accounted for 67 yards of total offense in this game. Like, 67 yards of total offense between rushing and passing in this game. They won 17-10 against the Houston Texans. Malik Willis went 6-10 of 10 for 55 yards and an interception and then had five rushes for 12 yards in this game. It was a rookie quarterback going out and having his first start, and it didn't matter because Derrick Henry went off in this game, Brandon. Derrick Henry had 219 yards rushing on 32 carries and two touchdowns. And the reason it's significant, it was his sixth 200-yard rushing game. He ties O.J. Simpson and Adrian Peterson for the most all-time. And... Yeah, franchise history. Well, I, him him now surpassing, tying Eddie George for franchise history touchdowns for the Titans, Tennessee Oilers. Obviously, uh, that's just I mean, and do, doing it in a shorter amount of games. Obviously, we knew that's the case, but in a time where throwing the ball is how you win NFL games. All power be to the Derrick Henry. It was amazing. A couple of those runs at the beginning, the cuts that he was making, the burst that he still has despite dealing with lower body injury last year. The guy's always been such a physical marvel. And to see him now, he'll, I mean, he's going to have, I would imagine, another 200 yard game in the clip. He's probably going to stand alone all time. And that's good. He deserves that. He's truly been one of the best backs of this era. We know he was the back to back rushing champ for those couple of years there. 2000 you know up near 2000 yards over 2000 it, it's freakish and this is just another thing when he he was the only thing going into that game that they knew they were going to focus on like we said I, I highlighted Malik Willis not to put him down but to say this is a one-man wrecking crew in this game and that man wrecked so hard that he set records and won the game for them <sighs> it's good to see Mike it's good to see I mean obviously I don't know who you got it's who you got for rose number two Brandon I don't know. You know, you said you heard me filibuster, and I'm trying to pull up the damn score. Uh, my rose, Russell Westbrook. Will you accept this rose, Mike? The Lakers have a win. The Lakers are finally in the win category for the season. They beat the Denver Nuggets. Remember uh, the big bad Denver Nuggets? You know, the, the MVP guy, and the, uh, the Joker is over there. Uh, it's Halloween. Should talk about the Joker. Yes, not afraid. Russell Westbrook was the leading scorer of this game with 18 points, 
Mike. Uh, he had a uh, plus minus of, of 18, which is amazing. Eight rebounds, eight assists, all team highs. Um, who knew that when the Lakers finally get in the win category, it would be on the back of Russell Westbrook. Uh, Darvin Ham was interviewed after game. He was tearing up, talking about how important it was and how great it was to see him just continue to fight. And and he got a really sweet text from Jeannie Buss to let him know that, that he, they're liking the what they see out there and that the defense is going to finally catch up to the offense. And, and uh, Anthony Davis hasn't been terrible. He's fighting uh, some real bad uh, ailments. But every time he goes up against the Joker, he ends up having a double-double night. So the Lakers, uh, not as shitty as we imagine uh, behind Russell Westbrook. And we're hoping, for me, as Lakers fans, that that's just adding his stock value for when he actually does get moved. There we go. Keep the keep the main thing the main thing, Lakers fans. Brandon's got his eyes on the prize and yeah. has for quite some time. So uh, I appreciate that. Positive vibes around here, uh, which is what we're supposed to be doing, giving out roses anyway. So uh, that's a yeah. good spin on what I'm still not sure is a good Lakers team. But, hey, a win's a win. Russell Westbrook gets to be happy. He's endured a lot of slander. Happy for the person uh, at the center of that. Less happy, Brandon, for uh, our gambling weekend as a show. Not cute. Um, Brandon Newman's last Spooky October underdog play of the weekend didn't go great. Great teams cover, which meant Steelers plus 10.5 was not the move uh, against a Philadelphia team coming off the bye here. But don't worry, Brandon. Because you have plenty of company. Because I was right shit this weekend. One and five between college and pro. Uh, college, Oklahoma State got boat raced and blanked by a Kansas State team with their backup Ooh. quarterback in. Ohio State, man, what a wild ride against Penn State. 14 and a half point favorites in that game. Looked like at the end, after it being close to the entire game, Ohio State went supernova in this game. Uh, and scored a bunch of points at the end of this one. Uh, JT uh, Tuamola had a, a game for the ages. The former five-star player, according to ESPN Stats and Info, became one of three FBS players in the last 15 years to record two sacks, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, an interception, and a touchdown in a single game. And he had two interceptions oh. on that day. It was batshit crazy. Ooh. It all ended in a backdoor cover because Sean Clifford and Penn State refused to die. Between that one and then Iowa and Northwestern going over 37 and a half, I- I'm losing my religion. I don't know what to believe in anymore. It was really sad. I mean, you know, you expect the unexpected. That's like betting college football is so crazy and wild. We had an overtime game with all field goals uh, with Miami and Virginia last week. So it's just ugly everywhere. Miami and Virginia was the sickos game that Northwestern Iowa was supposed to be. It always finds a way. Life finds a way. (laughs) But the NFL wasn't much better, man. Um Jacksonville and Denver over 39 and a half did not cash. Uh, Russell Wilson, though, back to let's riding. I don't know if you saw that with Laura Rutledge after the game. He's a fair weather let's rider. It's, 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 it really is sad to he, see. He, he had gone silent. He, 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 he turned the faucet back on he, last night he, he, oh, at, at, in London? In a big way after that game. And listen, happy for, like, happy for them. Russ played a lot better. You saw some more of that throw to KJ Hamler at the end of the game was vintage Russ. He had a couple of moments yeah. taken off and running with his legs. Ja- it, this game also seems to be a bit more about Jacksonville just not being who we hoped that they would be. Trevor Lawrence especially. Unfortunately, um, yeah. The only, ironically, Brandon, sustaining force in this weekend for me 
was your boy Himmy G. Uh, San Francisco minus one and a half, the only win on the weekend against the Rams. Because the Bills, we talked about it, the Eagles may have to go back number one in my power rankings if no other reason than for spite because great teams cover and the Bills couldn't cover against a bad Aaron Rodgers-led Green Bay Packers team that got even more injured in this game. Like, they lost Quay Walker to an ejection in this game, another linebacker to injury in a game where they also lost Christian Watkins, their receiver, uh, at the beginning of this game that was already depleted. There was nobody out there. They turtled into a rushing attack that somehow managed to get over, and Josh Allen flipped back the clock and decided to throw ra- reckless interceptions again for the first time in a while and made this thing way closer than it needed to be, which was 10 points instead of 11. I, I, you're, 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 you're wanting to MF the Bills. I think you need to big up your own takes because you're the one who told me when David Bakhtiari is back, this offense is going to look completely different. And they kind of did. I mean, what what I can big up myself on is saying that this was the game where it seemed most likely that some spooky football shit was going to happen. And some spooky football shit True. definitely happened. And Brandon, spooky shit happening. So again, uh, not great there. Uh, on the season now, 20-32-2. And two. Uh, Brandon's 1-2 and two in the October plays. As we wrap up October here, we'll see if that morphs into something as we get into the holiday season here in November. But Brandon, it is Halloween. Uh, We have a little bit left of this podcast, an important question left to ask on this podcast, Brandon, which is, uh, do you know what time it is? You know, I do, Mike. It is All Hallows Eve. I think that's the same as Halloween. Thank maybe. And the people have been waiting. Spooky song got the spooky song to get to this moment. Tim Burton, let's go. This, that, and the third. This, that, and the third. Pumpkins scream in the dead of night. This is Halloween. Everybody make a scene. Trick or treat to the neighbors. Die of fright in this town. Everybody scream in this town of Halloween. In this town we call hope. Everyone hail to the pumpkin song. In this town, don't we love it now? Everybody's waiting for the next surprise. This is Halloween, this dead and the third. Halloween, 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 Halloween. Ah, the perfect bridge between spooky season and the Christmas season. Ah, man, the nightmare before Christmas. uh, People, uh, I think you have asked me before and other people have asked, is it a Halloween movie? Is it a Christmas movie? The answer is yes. It is the glue. It is the ultimate teammate. It is the glue guy. Bridges them together. It is. and you and you need you need a great glue guy to make everything run. It's like almost this is Halloween is November, or not this is Halloween. Uh, uh, Nightmare, Nightmare Before, Before Christmas. Christmas is based. Yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas is November. It's, it, it, it is November. Which is a reminder: starting November first, you can put your Christmas decorations up. Don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. Woke Christmas starts at the beginning <laughs> yes. of November and goes till uh, Valentine's Day. That's what you need to beat the seasonal depression. I encourage you to live large. Mike, speaking of seasonal depression, what about seasonal uh, just doing things? For me, this themed week, this themed month, Mike, was it, it was it, I liked it. I didn't hate it. I, I liked the the guidance. I wonder if there's something 
for November, uh, I can I can force into it like only songs about giving people food or, or hugging and family and things like that. That'd be interesting. But Christmas is coming, and there's uh, there's plenty of songs there. <laughs> yeah, as always, download subs- say, ho ho ho. Download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Five star rating and a review. Let Brandon know what you think about that. Also, at Gojo Show, if you've got more ideas for what he should do in the month of November, we appreciated all the submissions for October. Helping Brandon out through this, that, and the third through that month. Uh, great fun. Great fun. Uh, Brandon, uh, the month of October turning to November uh, in the World Series. We're tied at one apiece after the weekend. The Astros and Phillies, even at one apiece. Um, the Phillies took game one in this, which preserved. So the two of us had our picks. You had Phillies in five. Yes. I had Astros in five. Phillies had a hell of a rally in game one. Really exciting one that went to extra innings. Um, but the Astros rallied in game two and looked a lot more like the juggernaut team that had romped through the rest of this postseason. But the Phillies were already able to do what no one else was able to do, and that was win a game against the Astros in this major league postseason. I, I know. I, I actually love the fact that both wins were indicative of our picks, right? Like both wins feel like very like five and uh, or you know whatever ending that series in five because Philly came back and then Astros were just dominant all all game two. Uh, but we, I don't think we've shouted out all the Notre Dame people that are in this World Series. Like shout out to uh, I'm not going to name all Trey Mancini, but I know there's uh, I think three players from Notre Dame uh, in this World Series this year. Yeah, but uh, Trey Mancini. One of the most noteworthy, obviously, his battle with cancer was a very big story around Major League Baseball, seeing him in the home run derby. Trey's always been uh, a really good representative of the university. So, yeah, there is definitely that connective tissue for us there. But, I don't know, man, it was it, it was an exciting weekend. Like, the Astros had a five-run lead in Game 1, and for the Phillies to claw themselves back into that game and eventually win it was really exciting. And, and so... You know they've are they've already gone here and given us some of the price of admission. We'll see because now it is you know one one anyone's game. All those sports cliches here. That's Gojo talks baseball. Yeah. Uh, so again, Brandon's got Phillies in five. <laughs> I've got Astros in five here. Uh, we'll wait and see what they can pull off. But Brandon, I really wanted to get to this man because not often I get to say we saw some wild shit in NASCAR over this weekend. Um, oh, and so. What happened in Martinsville this weekend in a race that's part of NASCAR's postseason, Ross Chastain pulled off a move that had the internet buzzing. Chastain was two points behind Denny Hamlin for the final transfer spot in next week's championship race in his last lap. He was too far behind to gain two positions, so he put his car into fifth gear, planted his Chevy against the wall, and then let the wall just slingshot him around at the end. He ended up making up five spots in that final turn. He was 50 miles per hour faster than a normal lap on that lap and ended up in fifth place with a spot to advance. He went from 10th to 5th to advance to the championship round of the NASCAR playoff, Brandon. And I saw a bunch of drivers disputing whether or not this was good, whether or not this would be allowed. But I saw everybody losing. This was video game bullshit, Brandon. This was the stuff that you would do in a video game when your actual well-being is not on the line. And this guy just went and yeeted it in a race. I texted Ryan McGee, who's a friend of this podcast, and I asked him, am I making too big of a deal about this? And if you have not seen it, again, just put Ross Chastain into your Twitter timeline, and it will show you the video of it 
it, it's like some shake and bake Ricky Bobby Talladega Nights bullshit. And I texted Ryan McGee about it, who's covered NASCAR for 25 years. And he said, this is a top five coolest thing I have ever seen in covering the sport. So it is co-signed and stamped. Everyone in my mentions from NASCAR Twitter said, no, this is as cool as you're making it out to be, which was awesome finish to the weekend. Yeah, I mean, anytime you get a chance to see a Ricky Bobby style finish, it was like literally any way you can get across the finish line if you're not first or last. I mean, that was that was a moment, Mike. Like that, that's you said it was a video game thing, but it's like not only a video game. It's like if you know all all of us uneducated uh, people were like, well, if I was driving, I'd let that wall take me about five more steps. You know what I mean? It, so, Brandon, it's, it's, it's good to see. You met, it, it, it is. It reminds me of the end of uh, Ricky Bobby where they roll over their cars and they sprint towards the finish lines. The announcer's like, it's completely illegal it's, and it will no way count. This felt like it was going to get Jackie Moon where it's like, no, wait a minute. You you can't do that. You can't. And everyone's just like, no, he, he can. And now he's in the championship because of it. So uh, wild NASCAR oh, finish from the weekend. Shout out to Ross Chastain for giving a generation of kids who grew up on video games hope that they too can accomplish their dreams that they have only done in 3D before that. Um, Brandon, let's get to the third, though. Uh, this news relative for us and everyone else. Uh, Elon Musk buying Twitter is a whole ball of yarn on its own and not something I feel like getting into right now. But yeah. one of the tentacles of that Ugh. is apparently the announcement, uh, according to The Verge, there are reports that there's been an internal directive to change the company uh, Twitter Blue, which has been a premium feature offered for a while, to become now a monthly subscription for verification. Twitter is planning to, according to this report, charge $19.99 for the new Twitter Blue subscription, uh, subscription, which would verify users and... Uh, God, I've explained this so poorly. It's going to cost $20 a month. To be, it's going to be cost $20 a month to be verified on Twitter. And Brandon, I have seen everyone from verified Twitter coming out and dunking on this, myself included, making free speech jokes, all these things. <laughs> My question is, who do you think is going to be the Russell Westbrook of this eating the hot dog on the bench? Because all of us are saying right now, oh yeah, like verification is not worth $20 a month. It's a fun feature, especially being able to go over in my mentions and just hit the verified part so I don't have to see a lot of people trolling me and all that bad mm. shit. It's a good mental health yeah, boost. But it's certainly not worth $20 a month. So my question is, who amongst the masses of people with blue check marks right now that are saying, yeah, there's no way I'm going to pay $20 a month are going to all of a sudden be over on the side still rocking that blue if this day finally does come? Oh, I mean, thousands of people, Mike. Because if it's, if it's anyone that we actually know already that doesn't have a blue check that's going to pay this uh, like come on that is like, true I, I, so watching the glow up of people that all of a sudden can just go out and buy their way to it because don't you know there's already all these like accounts I, every once in a while i get followed by like a random astrophysicist who follows three hundred thousand people and is followed by three hundred thousand people and has a blue check and i have no idea how they got this <laughs> this is just going to be an uptick in that the real one though brandon right. that's going to be wild is and i was i saw someone mention this the other day we need people like Adam Schefter and Adrian Wojnarowski and people that are going to break serious news to be verified. Now, what's to stop Ballsack Sports and Adern Schefter from being verified and going out here? Like, this is 
I mean, obviously Ooh. larger disinformation for the world, but for us in sports here, how are we supposed to know what happens in these trade deadlines now, Brandon, if all of a sudden you've got paid verification out here? Mike, all the Nigerian princes are going to be verified now. Like, we're not going to be able to tell the difference of when we're getting gamed for our, our buying gift cards and scratching them off and sending them the, the, the codes. Like, I, th- I think it's a, it's a dangerous game that Elon Musk is playing. It, it actually, amongst like, other ones. I was going to say, it actually, real life is a dangerous game, and it's all going to be very weird here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like you said, you know what? This goes all the way back to one of our original points in this podcast. Be a teammate. Use the buddy system. If you see one of your friends going to Best Buy to buy a bunch of $100 gift cards without explanation, stop him and tap him on the shoulder and tell him this may not be a good idea. I I was going to say, I thought you meant if you see one of your buddies slowly, uh, randomly has a blue check mark, you know, just let, you know, pull him aside. It's like, hey, I see you. I see you. What you, what you got planned? What's the end game? You know, what's your million dollar idea? Yeah. What's the end game on this? Because you can't be going out here dropping $20 a month, a month. (laughs) All willy nilly, no. not having a play, an end game in mind. So just cut me in on it. Right, right. I won't, I won't have it. Oh God! With great power comes great responsibility. So to the potential new money blue check marks out there, could be me, but y- y'all do you. Be careful with this and use that power <laughs> responsibly. Uh, You're sitting over here with over a quarter million followers. Couldn't be me. Man, I'm telling you, if it come, if push comes to shove, you got my word. I ain't showing out twenty dollars a month for verification. That's that's not where yeah. that's not where I'm going to be when Jesus comes back. Hey, and all you producers out there that just wish you had a little bit more followers, trust me, I've been there. Don't don't put that on the corp card. Don't put a verified check on the corp card. That's I mean, honestly, that's where I was going with this too, is how many people are just gonna have this like built into their contracts now, charge that to the game. Like I need it. I need it for work. I, I have to tweet the things. This, this is going to be the new version of what my dad grew up saying for years when he would sit around on a football Sunday and he'd look at my mom, who already was not asking him to do anything. He'd be like, I have to watch these games for work. And then he'd slap his knee and look at all of us like he was being cheeky. Now it's going to be a whole generation of internet people like, I, bad, honey, I don't know what you want. Like, I got to do this for work. I need, I need a blue check. I, Stu Gotts is going to get someone to subsidize his blue check. I just know it. Someone is going to end up paying Ooh. Stu Gotts so that he can be verified. Hey, blue check cosigns now. Okay, now now we're talking. Yeah, now we're talking. Uh, no, it's, it's there's going to be a GoFundMe to support Stu Gotts's blue check mark so he can continue to remain an authority on sports, and that I will gladly give money to. Um, <laughs> We hope you have enjoyed the ride through this podcast here. If you have, download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Check out the DraftKings YouTube channel as well. Uh, It is the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. tab. Subscribe to that so all of our videos can end up right. It's still, I, I hadn't done YouTube subscriptions, really, like subscribing to pages much before all this. Yeah. It's so easy to oh, go really? in there and find the DraftKings tab and check out all this once you subscribe. It shows up right at the top of your little bar. So just do yourself that favor. Go out there. It helps us. You throw us the little like on those videos. Everybody wins. So thank you guys for that. Yes. Enjoy Monday Night Football. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.